Hyaluronidase, will it dissolve your face? So here's my response to a piece put out by Dr. Gavin Chan and colleagues entitled Filler Dissolver Destroyed My Face. Another killer title which demands further investigation. As always, this interesting video packs a lot more education and nuance in than the headline readers will take away. So let's dive in. Before we do that though, don't forget to give this show a like if it's helping you. First, some context. It may help to start with the fundamentals. Hyaluronidase is an enzyme. Enzymes are biological catalysts, and this means they are complex, three-dimensional proteins that perform very specific chemical reactions, specific at the molecular level. In the case of hyaluronidase, it takes a water molecule and reacts it with hyaluronic acid to break it down into monosaccharides at one specific type of chemical bond called a beta-1,4 bond, which occurs between monosaccharides. It's very important to understand the specificity of enzymes. Our bodies are filled with enzymes. In fact, there are over 75,000 enzymes that are known, and that's because they are highly specialized. One enzyme does one chemical reaction. The protein shape only allows it to fit in very specific places and react like a lock and key. This is very different to chemical reactions where one chemical may react with many others quite easily. It is a core way that enzymes work that they do not react with multiple different chemicals or else our bodies simply would not work. Of course, hyaluronidase is an enzyme we already have in our systems. Our own bodies make several versions of the enzymes and without it, our lymphatic systems would clog up with hyaluronic acid, which means we would no longer be able to drain and clean fluids from the extracellular space. It's also, interestingly, a key part of the process of conception, as the sperm itself produces hyaluronidase to dissolve the hyaluronic acid, which is the last barrier to pass through before a new life begins. Animal versions of this enzyme have been used for over 60 years to help absorption and dispersion of drugs in subcutaneous tissue, to break down hematomas and to dissolve dermal filler. Animal versions indeed usually come from the testicles of sheep, cows and pigs. To reduce reaction rates due to subtle differences, we have also become better at purifying animal versions as well as the development of a synthetic human version which is much more compatible. So now we understand what it actually is. Let's dive in to the points made by this video. The fundamental issue is that satisfaction with reversals appears to be low compared with other interventions that we do. The lowest rating on real self, it's around about 50% today, although 42% when Gavin made his video, and filler rated much more highly at 94% in terms of patient satisfaction. This needs an explanation for us to be able to guide our patients. The first part of this video explains why we actually need hyaluronidase. There is essentially a growing number of indications to dissolve dermal filler. Dr. Chan presents an ocular plastic surgeon, Dr. Serbus, who used hyaluronidase in filler-induced blindness with a successful remission, the most extreme indication for hyaluronidase. Dr. Harris also makes the point that dissolving as a result of overfilling is going up generally, which is also my perception. We are all using high volumes of filler, and we have already been doing this at scale for 10 to 20 years. Along with this, migration is a growing problem. There is a subset of patients whose fillers may last for many years and it does not stay put. There is diffusion along with some additional water attraction that begins to degrade the appearance. What is more, I believe there's also a tendency to solve loss definition by adding more dermal filler, probably the worst thing you can do long term. 
and this all compounds the problem. We also know that there's a cohort of patients where waiting simply does not work. We know from Dr. Master's studies that some filler can last up to 12 years. In this video, Dr. Kami Parsa also raises the potential that lymphatics may be blocked in some patients, most obvious in the tear trough. This is interestingly compatible with what we know from animal studies where they knock out the hyaluronidase gene. Overall, the point is, so long as we use hyaluronic acid, we will also need hyaluronidase. For me, the most interesting point in this video is based on the experience of Dr. Ben Tarle, a surgeon who presented his theory of how the SMAS could be affected by hyaluronidase. He reports on his perception in over 3,000 surgical lip lifts that for some reason the SMAS appears to shrink in size and its ability to hold moisture. He noticed that injecting saline does not seem to hold the same volume as it would in other patients who'd not had a reversal. The SMAS appears to him to lose its puffy nature. And he discusses a possible depletion in the SMAS as a result of using hyaluronidase in a small number of his patients. Dr. Ben does go on to conclude that hyaluronidase can have a lifelong effect, a conclusion I don't believe we can make with any certainty. Thought-provoking as it is, we cannot draw a causal relationship between this experience and hyaluronidase. First of all, it's without a structured study with data to interrogate. We have personal experience, which is evidence, but it's the lowest form of evidence. These are all patients having surgical lip lifts, which already creates a selection bias. How can we be sure that these patients were not accommodating for a weaker SMAS with lip filler and then having reversals in order to have surgery? We also have the problem of confirmation bias. Humans tend to look to confirm their theories. So it's highly likely that in cases where the SMAS looks thinner, the doctor may make a mental note of the correlation he believes exists while disregarding the patients who have a normal SMAS, even though they may also have had hyaluronidase in the past. To be clear, this is not a criticism at all of the testimony. In fact, I welcome the experience. This is simply a commentary on the nature of how humans make sense of the world and why we would need much more for this testimony to move beyond simply a hypothesis. There is simply no way you could make a conclusion from this video that the SMAS is damaged by hyaluronidase, but it is an idea worth exploring. What is more, even if there was a correlation, the theory itself is very easy to destroy. And let me explain how. What if hyaluronic acid itself caused a down-regulation in natural hyaluronic acid production? After years of HA use and then dissolving it, you could be left with exactly the same clinical picture without the enzyme being at fault. The suppression of natural hyaluronic acid would produce exactly the same clinical picture. This is often the problem with hypotheses presented as conclusions. They are easy to come up with and hard to disprove, which means they can spread as memes for years before the truth eventually catches up. The video also includes some reassuring evidence from Dr. Gabriella Casabona. In her experiment, she observed the effect on the skin of hyaluronidase. They showed a decrease in resistance to a pinch test, which was dose-dependent and lasted only for 48 hours before a complete return to baseline. What we can conclude from this experiment is that hyaluronidase is breaking down probably the natural hyaluronic acid, which is then being remanufactured, replacing itself in the skin about 48 hours later. So now we need to tease out why a minority of patients are so unhappy after hyaluronidase. There are a number of potential options. They can be divided into issues of perceptual or real physical changes, or a combination of both. The first option is that hyaluronidase really is causing a physical problem in a minority of patients. The second is that hyaluronidase is used in conditions where it's very easy to create the perception of a long-term problem. 
And the third is that there are real changes which you would expect to occur in any reversal which then cause an additional long-term shift in perception which is the problem. There are various theories discussed in the original video. Some people suggest that filler has actually stretched their face and when it's dissolved it is now worse than ever. Something I think is probably quite unlikely unless you're using extremely large volumes. The second is acclimatization to an overfilled state and then a reversal to normal which simply feels much worse than normal because it is so shocking to lose so much volume so quickly. Even with a bounce back of endogenous HA, the trauma could still cause a shift in perception. We also have the idea that high lays really is damaging the smash somehow. And we have the psychological explanation, which is that these patients who seek reversal are already more likely to be on the dysmorphic end of the spectrum, more easily traumatized by small changes which are expected to be normal, and then to persist in an unhappy state for a long time. Next, there's the idea of the nocebo effect. This is essentially the idea that if you go into a procedure expecting the worst, you are most likely to experience more side effects. When humans go in expecting a bad outcome, they tend to notice the bad side effects and ignore the positives. That's simply how our brains work. With growing online communities discussing these side effects without the moderation of opposing views, I would warn any clinician about treating patients who already believe that hyalase dissolves normal tissue. This level of uncertainty is a red flag. Some of the patients in the real self testimonials actually reference having dysmorphia in their testimonial. And regardless of any potential physical effect long term, I'm certain that dysmorphic patients will be overrepresented in these experiences, simply because having a reversal usually implies you are significantly unhappy with your appearance after a treatment, something we know is compatible with dysmorphia. So what do I suggest you do with your patients when they discuss hyaluronidase? Firstly, it's a fundamental medical principle to intervene with discretion. We shouldn't be too gung-ho with anything that we inject. We are not omniscient, and it is possible that new evidence could emerge that there are cases where long-term effects are due to hyaluronidase. I've yet to be convinced of this, but I should act as if it could be true. Second, dive straight into your patient's health beliefs in the consultation. Never dismiss them. Let them talk about everything they've read on the subject and then systematically share what your understanding is. If they believe something which is not compatible with the treatment, you should not offer it. An anxious patient with a self-loathing attitude to their appearance, a belief that hyalase can cause your face to collapse and a history of treatment with dissatisfaction should be handled very, very carefully, erring on the side of no treatment. One last important note, Last time I spoke on this issue, I got a lot of very angry comments from people who believe cosmetic interventions have ruined their life. A lot of these people accused me of being corrupted by big pharmaceutical companies. For transparency, it's important to state that I am a completely independent doctor. Unlike many of the famous voices in my space, I am not a paid representative of any drug manufacturer or pharmacy company, often termed a KOL or a key opinion leader. In fact, I make most of my income by educating practitioners about complications, so it is not in my interests at all to minimize this issue. My philosophy is to seek out the truth as best as I can, shed light on this important issue, and although we may disagree, I am on the side of patience, which can only be achieved through open and honest discussion, where disagreement is part of a healthy process. I will continue to gather information on this, and I may change my mind completely in time if more information emerges. Once again, I'd like to thank Dr. Chan and all the colleagues he interviewed for another excellent and informative video which really gets us thinking and also shed a lot of light on an interesting issue.
I hope this video helped you make further sense of an important issue. Thanks for watching and see you again next week.